The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hi there again, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the Gary Neville podcast. <laughs> um, we're talking here. It wasn't a disappointing game. We're at Stamford Bridge, Chelsea nil, Manchester United nil. It wasn't disappointing in terms of the the intent and the desire from both mm. teams to try and win the game for certainly long periods of the game. And I think Chelsea'd right to the very end. Um, but we are seeing a lot of games, Gary, aren't we, which sort of come up a little bit short, and particularly the big games, and, and quite a few of them involving Manchester United. We are. And uh, part of me enjoyed that game, actually, because I think it was, it was a little bit like a game that the coaches would like. I think when they analyse it back, there'll be a lot of things that both managers saw on in those performances that they'll have liked in terms of the patterns of play, the way in which they dealt with the attacking threat of the opposition. You know, you think about what the amount of work that goes into a preparation for a game like this. They'll be disappointed with the final part. Um, but you're right, for Manchester United, that City pre-Christmas, Liverpool, Arsenal, now Chelsea, accusations of not really having that belief and conviction. That's come from me in the last few weeks, the idea that they don't really believe they can go and win the big games against City or against Liverpool. But... I'm not. I should be disappointed if I'm setting myself sort of the stand of where Manchester United need to get to as a club and the winning the Premier League titles and sort of the. I suppose the standards that were set in the day that I played, I would be sort of a little bit disappointed today. But I'm actually not because I do believe this team's on a journey, and there were things I saw today actually in that performance. I thought that the back four were a lot more aggressive in their performance. The most aggressive I've seen that back four in a big game. And I've been critical of them. But today they pushed themselves out of the comfort zone. I thought the way in which Wan-Bissaka and Luke Shaw released themselves from their full-back positions to go and confront high up the pitch meant that uh, Lindelof and Maguire had to work harder. They had to push further up. So there were big positives, particularly in the first half, around that. Um, but then it just didn't materialise. They pressed high up the pitch as well, the front four. Uh, but the lack of quality in the final third. For Chelsea under Tuchel, I mean... We know that they're in transition as well. They're not a title-winning team. Neither of these teams are. And we didn't expect them to be at the start of the season. So I think both managers will look at this game in their respective sort with their respective analysts and say, I didn't mind large parts of that game. doesn't help us <laughs> for Sky Sports well, no, or the fans at home, maybe. Is, but Is it a, a consequence of no fans in the ground that it can be played a bit more for the coaches, if you like, because obviously yeah. there's no one else here to see it? Yeah, I think that was a coach's game. Mm. I can say I think there'll be large parts of the post-match analysis that they'll do with their players tomorrow that will say, you know, well done in, in large parts. And then they'll look at the big moments in the game, the sort of final pass of McTominay there, say, or the, the not getting across the back post for the Reese James uh, free kick. Moments like that, they'll say more conviction, more determination. Giroud, when he had the header at that over there. You know, there's been moments in the game where goals could have occurred. Uh, and, and I think that the coaches will say that in their, t you know, their respective uh, meetings with the players but I think they'll also say there are a lot of very good things well done to you all I think they'll both will be a little I, c I can hear them now I can hear Tuchel and Solskjaer in the dressing room saying look 
you know, well done, lads, at the end. You know, disappointed we didn't get the win, but... Um, and that won't help, and, you know, the lots fans at of, home... Lots of positives. That's the cliche, isn't it? It is. No, but I think <laughs> they will, and they say that after the match. But actually, I can see why they would say that during this match. You know, I enjoyed parts of this game. I thought the quality in the Christmas of the passing was good. But Bruno Fernandes for Manchester United was below where he's been in terms of he normally delivers that moment for them. Uh, Chelsea... Didn't really test Maguire and Lindelof as much as, you know, I think Tuchel would have liked. And particularly, I think, with Giroud up front, maybe it suited them a little bit that they could push up the pitch. But I'm not wholly disappointed with the game. Disappointed again, we've seen a nil-nil. We know, But I, I think this is a reflection of where these two teams are at in their pursuit of getting to the top again. And both these teams have been at the top in the last 20 years. They know how to win a title, these clubs. Manchester United, not for some years now. But I think that, you know, they're both not there. But I think it's better than it was a year, two years ago, three years ago. I put to you the question that was put in the studio, which I thought was an intriguing one, a difficult one to answer. Which of the two clubs is nearer <laughs> to becoming champions again? I think United are nearer. I, I do. Um, I think Chelsea have got some work to do on the defence. And I think that there's some maturity in their players in attack. Havertz, Werner, Pulisic, Ziyech. You know, I can't really see at this moment in time that no, I think there's outstanding talents there, but they've all got to merge. I think Rashford's probably a little bit further ahead in his development than Cavani, Pogba, Fernandez. So I'd say that United are just a touch further ahead, it feels like. And they are in the league anyway, the six points in front. So that's suggested by the league table. But it won't take much from Chelsea's point of view to get there. You know, it's, it's whoever recruits better in the summer and who, which players develop more and which managers can get the best out of the players. But I'd say that this, you know, for United this season to finish second would be a huge advance on last season. For Chelsea to get into the top four, for Tuchel, I think, would be, would be very good. And then they've both got to try and win another trophy if they can. Just reflection again on something that happened now a couple of hours away from us, but it was quite early in the game. But it was a key moment and it was an interesting one in that yeah. a referee, Stuart Atwell, was attracted to um, by VAR to revisit a situation where he hadn't seen as a penalty. Obviously, the word in his ear was um, from Chris Kavner, who was the yeah. VAR man. Um, you should look at this. Uh, well, look at, he looked at it and said no penalty. We have these screens, don't we? We have this VAR one here and... Just out of the corner, I wasn't interested in it, you know. And all of a sudden, I could hear Kavanagh's voice say, "I'm going to have a look at this, Stuart." And I looked at it, and I thought, "Oh, you know, you see, sort of Hudson Odoi's arm appear up high in that unnatural position and touch the ball and push it away." And I think the conclusion that I've come to is that if that was Mason Greenwood, if he touches it away and gains an advantage from it, it definitely would have been a foul. I think it's a penalty. Uh, based on the current rules in the game, I, I think I took what the, the, the you know Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank said at half-time around the fact that we wouldn't like to see these given as a penalty. But in the modern day now, I'm surprised that wasn't given as a penalty. And Stockley Park thought it was a penalty to stop the game and obviously send um, Stuart Atwell over to the, to the monitor. And we're seeing now referees, to be fair, not going along with what Stockley Park think, which is good, we want that. But I thought it was because hudson Adoy's arm is up here. And this idea that you argue, well, so was Mason Greenwood. Mason Greenwood's hand didn't touch the ball. <laughs> it's irrelevant. It's like two players going for the for the ball in the box with their feet and one player gets there, nicks it away and the other one's late and takes the leg, the defender, and it's a penalty. It's the same with the hand. If you think of those hands being legs and hudson Adoy get, um you know, gets, you know, Mason Greenwood just pokes it away and Hudson comes in there. You know, he's going for the ball, but it's a penalty. I don't see the reason why, I don't see why that's not a penalty. I think that two or three months ago, it's a certain penalty. 
Today, they're trying to relax the handball, handball rules. They're changing it as the season goes on. I think we've asked for that, to be fair. So let's be clear. There were some stupid ones where, you know, I was smashing the ball across and you were just, it was in your arm here and it was a penalty. It's like, what, what's that? That's not a penalty. And the but, Eric Dyer one with the uh, arm out, he, he, the ball had come from behind and hit his arm. I mean, he couldn't but, sit. Yeah, yeah, but we always accept that if yeah. your arm's above your head, if your arm's here, if your hand's here and you touch the ball, you're struggling. And Hudson Adoy, I think, was very, very lucky. I think that it was a penalty. Um, just on Manchester before we leave the game, uh, um, we're going to talk about two 20-game runs, and we come to the Manchester City one, 20 wins in a row. But to go 20 away games in the Premier League, um, which started here when they they won 2-0 last February, and they carried it on now to 20. Um, that that is it's something we should we should mention, isn't it? Uh, what you'd have to say. Martin, is that over the last 12 months, Manchester United uh, have put an incredible run of results together. Um, the points tally's been big, year to year. Uh, their away form, as you say, is outstanding, and that, that takes some resilience. To go 20 games unbeaten away from home, it takes some. And I come back to sort of my time at Manchester United. If I came to Stamford Bridge and we kept a clean sheet and we came away with a point, we quite often lost to Chelsea at Old Trafford, let alone at Stamford Bridge. We had a poor record against them. Um, you always want to win every single game, but this is a tough place to play. So those Manchester United players going back on that bus tonight that can say that they've taken part in those 20 matches away from home, that, that they do deserve great congratulations for that. You know, there'll be some criticism tonight from United fans saying, why did we go and win it? Why weren't we more positive? Why weren't we this? And, you know, rightly so. We sh you know, United, United should always strive to do that. But to actually go 20 games away from home is... It needs applauding because it's hard to do that. that. You know, you say about resilience and character. You know, what do you demonstrate of teams that are, are good and got good character and personality? The good away from home, the good on set pieces. You know, they they look like they want to play with each other, and that's why I think this Manchester United team is better suited than the one two or three years ago under Jose Mourinho that finished second. Because I actually feel there's a better spirit. I think they've got a far better chance of winning the league in the next two or three years than they were under sort of. You know, Jose a couple of years ago, I thought it was a strange bunch of lads. It just didn't seem to like each other. They didn't really appeal to me as a fan. I think they, they're, they're going in the right direction. Whether they get there or not is another matter. We'll know in the future, but they, they're certainly going in the right direction. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Well, certainly going in the direction of Manchester City. 20 wins in a row in all competitions, 14 in the Premier League. It's, uh, it is staggering. And, and they were pushed, weren't they, by West Ham, who gave a good account of themselves. And you can see why they're uh, still in the top four, actually, after the result here. Yeah. Uh, we were here, weren't we, when it all changed. Um, and the quality of the football that Pep Guardiola played in those first two title-winning seasons was outstanding. It was on top of the world. And there was a big dip last season, but we're just seeing now, since we left Stamford Bridge a few months ago now and saw that 30 minutes of outstanding play 
in the first half. De Bruyne was a sort of like false centre forward. Um, and they played without him for much of the last month or so. The quality of the play is outstanding. The sustaining of attacks, the quality of the defending, the shape, everything's really good. And getting goals from their defenders in this game. Uh, Ruben Diaz is first, and then John Stones, who started to... He's, he's questioned yeah. himself about lack of goals. A lot of... Sent, I mean, you, Steve Bruce was the great one, wasn't yeah. he? Who scored, I think, 20 goals in one season for Manchester United. But John Stones has upped uh, his approach to that, and it's reflecting also in the way he's playing generally, that he's more confident in doing that. It was, it was a great finish to win the game. More confident, scoring more goals and giving less away is the most important thing for yeah. John Stones. Consistency. John Stones need two, needs two or three seasons of this to really sort of what we take away those thoughts that we've previously had, which is that he's inconsistent, he lacks concentration and focus at big moments. But what we're seeing now is a sustained run of games where he's playing at the highest level in a great team. And he's not just... He's not been hitting that team. He's not, he's not as if he's got sort of... You know, that, that back four, if you said Cancelo, uh, Zinchenko, Stones and Diaz at the start of the season, I'd have said, that'll concede goals. It's not. So they, they all deserve great credit. Cancelo's, a, I mean, I love Cancelo. Uh, having worked with him at Valencia, I always have. Uh, Stones, working with him with England, saw a great talent, but then you just thought about the concentration and that sort of focus during big moments in games for 93, 94 minutes, not just 89 or 90. Um Diaz is a sensational defender. He's a brilliant player. Laporte, who I think, you know, I played three times against him when I was in Spain. First saw him when he played for Athletic Bilbao and thought, what a player he is. I think he was only maybe 20 at the time and we played two uh, Europa League games and a, and a league game against him. And he stood out then. So when City got him, I was like, he's a player. So they've got brilliant young defenders who are brave in terms of the pushing up the pitch, brave in taking the ball. They've got good midfield players, but they've got, He's developed a team. It's, you know, you think about Sir Alex Ferguson at Manchester United and he built great teams over three or four year periods and then he changed it and it seemed to be another great team seemed to appear. And I think Pep, you know, you think about the end of that company era, uh, company Aguero, Silva, you know, that sort of period in Manchester City's history is coming to an end. And within a year, it's taken him a year, you know, company leaving, we said Vincent Company have not replaced him, but it would seem now that he's building that sort of next team. Even though there's a few players still from sort of the old one, which is what happened at United, it looks to me like now that, you know, you see Diaz coming, Cancelo, Zinchenko, you've got... Um, Foden's a few years Foden, older, yeah. Foden's coming now. So you just think, you know, Gundogan's a different player. He's emerged. Mares is now a player that two years ago was bought, was part of that older team, but now he's a different player in this new team. So what you've seen is a transition to almost like a new team again, um, which is, is is what Pep Guardiola needs to do uh, in his career. They're I think. hungry again. They're hungry. They? They're hungry. The football's really good, and Pep Guardiola's building what would be a, a second wave of a Manchester City team in some ways. Uh, uh, we didn't see too much of it because obviously we're focusing on this game, but Gareth Bale has come back today with two goals and an assist and looking like maybe he's making a step forward to regain his hunger as well. And obviously that will be to Tottenham's benefit over what's left of the season. He needs to. I mean, I said on Monday Night Football two or three weeks ago that he's, it's annoyed me a little bit, him sort of sat there on the bench smiling and smirking and looking too relaxed when the team... You know, he's not been going on the pitch. I mean, he should be, really. As a player as great as him who's achieved what he's achieved, not just at Tottenham, but at Real Madrid, 
I, I don't get the feeling that he's been banging on the manager's door. I don't think it's probably his style, so, you know, that's not... But when I say banging on the manager's door, it's not necessarily going having an argument with the manager. It's but more saying, like... play me, play me. Yeah, come on. And looking like there's a real intent to come on the pitch. You know, he's been warming up, looking... You know, you know the players who are warming up. I think Cavani, when he was warming up earlier on in the season for United and he wasn't playing, I got the feeling that sort of he was like five minutes away from going sort of, you know grabbing Oli by the scruff of the neck and saying, get me on that pitch. Whereas with you know different characters, I know Gareth Bale is, I just felt that it was a bit too nice, a bit too easy for him just to sit there and watch and just let his football career drift on. No, he should be going on that pitch this last month or two. He's got the experience, he's got the quality, Tottenham are under pressure, the team has struggled a little bit. I'm here, get me on there now, I'll, st you know, I'll stop this rock. Kane missed a few games, I'm the one who'll stand up and deliver. And I think that now he looks like he started to do that in the last week or so, but it's been needed. It's been needed because I think for six months it's looked like he's probably saying, probably being a little bit too critical, saying it looked like he's been on holiday, but I've not seen that desperation, that determination in him to come on and really look like, right, Maybe come on. Maybe he's just trusting his body again. Maybe, you know, look... I, Different players are in different moments. It's a difficult, you know, you see this ground empty today. We know every ground's empty and that sort of urge of, you know, the fans is, is, is not there. But still, every other player's coping with it. And, you know, we've seen, you know, Tottenham's players play lots of football in the last six months. Every single sort of midweek, every single weekend. They've all been slugging it out, these games. And at times it's been difficult. And I just haven't felt that he's been part of that, what would be that, you know, that drive to sort of get them going again. But like I say... He's a brilliant player and I think it's time now that obviously he does deliver. Tottenham need a strong finish to the season and he can be part of that. Last subject, we look as though we're going to get a fight at the relegation side mm -hmm. of the, the Premier League table. Uh, Brighton have had two very bad results back yeah. to back. Uh, Newcastle were 1-0 up at home and, and didn't get the three points. Yeah. And obviously Fulham got another point today away at Crystal Palace and are looking to many experts' eyes as a team that's capable of getting out of it. West Brom have got the Sam Allardyce strategy and they, they got a win in the strange circumstances against Brighton. Burnley have been heavily yeah. beaten by Tottenham. Uh, it, is, um, it is getting closer, isn't it? When it looked like the bottom three were, were cut adrift and that was the end of it. It looked dead. Two weeks ago, I think it was, on Monday Night Football, and we said, they're so far away. It would, it would have to be a real, uh, you know, mess up from, from the teams really sort of, you know, in sort of fourth and bottom up. But then you just looked at sort of Fulham's form and you looked at Brighton not winning and Newcastle not winning, you think they could get dragged back. I, I never thought for one second, still don't think West Brom. I mean, that would be the miracle if Sam Allardyce could get West Brom from where they are yeah, out like of this Brian mess. Robson's miracle, oh, they, wouldn't you? This would be a miracle. I mean, really, not just because of the fact they're so far behind, but because of that quality of the team and the quality of the football. Although I watched them a couple of weeks ago, they were better against Manchester United. There's no doubt they're better. So there is something there that's picking up, but you just think they're so cut far adrift. And the other team, you're full and looking in better form. Brighton is still playing decent football. Uh, Newcastle have just got something about them. But New the worry for Newcastle is the injuries. I saw this morning, was it Ma Maximan and... Uh, Almiron may be injured as well. So that would cause a problem. But, yeah, I think we we have got a big top four fight and I think we've got a big relegation fight. I think the title probably looks like it's gone to City, but you're right, down there at the bottom, it's just getting just a little bit closer. And if if West Brom could put one or two more wins on the board in the next week or two and Fulham could put one or two more wins on the board, it really would get interesting. There'd be some big panic down there. No panic here. No panic. Oh, Martin, 
the heated gilet, by the way. Ah. Oh, the heated gilet. And by the way, I've, I've, I've five hours yesterday to Southend for a nil-nil. <laughs> Back into two hours to London, an hour here today to Stamford Bridge, and another nil-nil. I thought I was going to have a weekend break of glorious football, but it's not quite turned out to be that way. And the heated gilet. By the way, I'm not, I'm not promoting these things. I'm not sponsored by them, but what a fantastic addition to the wardrobe. <laughs> Buy one. Hey, 40 quid, not that bad either, by the way. Not big money. When you get to my age, the body does it itself, you know. <laughs> You're hot enough. <laughs> well, let's hope we have some goals to see at Crystal Palace on Wednesday anyway. Yeah, well, that'll be good. Crystal Palace Wednesday and the Manchester Derby next Sunday. Yes. So hopefully it'll be a good week. Thanks, Gary. Thank you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.